From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Arnson. This is your news for Wednesday, April 5th. For nearly three years, the White Mesa Mill in San Juan County has been improperly storing its radioactive waste. Because of this, the mill has been in violation of the Environmental Protection Agency's Clean Air Act since June of 2020. The mill is owned by a company called Energy Fuels, which made an agreement with the EPA that they'd have their tailing cells in compliance by the end of March of this year. Grand Canyon Trust is an environmental advocacy group who's been keeping an eye on this case for the past couple years. On Friday, they took a flight over the mill to check whether the tailing cells were finally in compliance. Can you show me on the map again where we're going? Yes. So we're going to depart right here from Blanding and go down and do a quick couple of circles around the mill. Tim Peterson is a public lands advocate with Grand Canyon Trust. Every four months or so, he partners with a nonprofit called EcoFlight to fly over the mill and check if the tailing cells are covered with water. This is a liquid tailing cell impoundment, which means that it's supposed to be completely covered at all times with liquid. And because it's not, there's a possibility of excess radon emissions from this material on the bottom of the pond. So that's a violation of the Clean Air Act. Radon is a cancer-causing gas that's released during the breakdown of uranium. Covering the uranium tailings with liquid prevents radon from becoming airborne. The mill is located just a few miles north of the Ute Mountain Ute Tribe's White Mesa Reservation, and for years people in the community have been concerned about air pollution and water pollution. The aquifer beneath the mill is contaminated with heavy metals, and even though the White Mesa community gets its drinking water from a different aquifer beneath the contaminated one, they fear the pollutants will eventually seep into their groundwater. Okay, you can hear me? Yep. Welcome to your eco-flight. What are we looking at right now? So this is the main mill building itself, and then tailing cell 4B, the one that's supposed to be completely covered. And they're getting pretty close. I'm actually sort of pleasantly surprised, but my expectations are low. Technically, the tailing cell in question was still out of compliance as of March 31st, but the company has made significant progress since the last time Peterson flew over the mill this fall. Another thing Peterson keeps an eye on at this mill is their alternate feed process. Basically, the company is paid to take other facilities' radioactive waste, even though they aren't a radioactive waste facility. Dumping radioactive waste is expensive. White Mesa can charge less than regulated waste sites because technically they mill the waste. But 99% of what gets milled ends up in one of their tailing cells anyway. All of this is legal, but it's still controversial. White Mesa Uranium Mill was built in the late 1970s, licensed in 1980. Originally intended to process uranium ore from mills around the Four Corners for about 10 to 15 years and then close and clean up. Now, 43 years later, the mill is still in operation. How have they done that? Well, the uranium market is very fickle and volatile. The price of uranium goes up and down, but it's been mostly down. American uranium is expensive. So beginning in the late 1980s, in order to keep the mill open, keep the business viable, they began to accept what they call alternate feeds, which are waste materials from all around the country that contain some uranium. As long as they process those waste materials through the milling process, they are then legally allowed through sort of a regulatory alchemy to dispose of the rest of that alternate feed material in their tailing cells. 
In July, the mill imported over a million pounds of radioactive waste from Estonia. The material that's closest to us, the yellow and white, those are about 1,855-gallon drums full of material from Estonia. That facility has a pretty colorful history. It began as a Nazi gasoline plant, which utilized slave labor. Then it became sort of a secret Soviet Cold War weapons processing facility for uranium. And now it's a rare earth metals plant which produces niobium and tantalum. Energy Fuels is not required to inform the public when new shipments of alternate feed arrive at the mill. Researchers at Grand Canyon Trust didn't learn about the waste from Estonia until January, in part because of a glitch in the state's database system. The Division of Waste Management and Radiation Control is responsible for approving the mill's alternate feed shipments. Transparency is a real problem here. There's no way to tell when the trucks are arriving, where they're coming from, what route they're taking. And that's, you know, something that folks in the White Mesa U community are interested in knowing. When is the material coming? Where is it coming from? What do the trucks contain? In March, Utah Governor Spencer Cox signed a bill that will outlaw abortion clinics in the state starting on May 3rd and ban all abortions in Utah starting in January 2024. On Monday, Planned Parenthood filed a lawsuit challenging the bill. Other Mountain West states are fighting similar back-and-forth legal battles over abortion. Wyoming's abortion ban was reversed last month by a Teton County judge, but lawmakers on the other side of this political battle have already started working to enforce an abortion ban once again. To get some context on this issue, Rocky Mountain Community Radio's Maeve Conran spoke with reporter Hannah Mersbach of KHOL in Jackson. We had an abortion ban that went into place March 19th. It was in effect for three days, and then it was overturned. So it was overturned because a group of abortion supporters filed a legal challenge against the state. And this wasn't the first time that they did this. They did this last year as well, when the state's first trigger ban went into place. And basically, we're kind of seeing the same thing happen all over again. The judge ruled in their favor, temporarily blocked the ban, and now that case is working its way through the courts. Um, So, well, you know, it'll probably be months, maybe a year or two before we see a result of this. But in the meantime, lawmakers in Cheyenne were, you know, they were trying to be really redundant and try and make sure that abortion in some way, shape or form is banned in Wyoming. So they also passed another ban blocking specifically abortion pills, and that'll go into effect in July. Um, This was actually the first ban of its kind nationwide. Um, It made national news. And it's important to note that in Wyoming, we only offer medical abortions. We don't offer surgical abortions. So this essentially is a ban on all abortions in Wyoming, too. And the plaintiffs on the other case have said, They plan to sue to block this as well. So we might just kind of see the same process repeat itself over and over again until we reach some kind of conclusion. People like the governor have suggested that we just put this up to a vote for the people and try and get a constitutional amendment. Um, It seems like people on both sides have kind of said that might be the only way that that this ends. And what do people who are outside of Wyoming, particularly in neighboring states that have very different abortion laws, and I'm thinking of Colorado, you know, what what is the impact on them? People in Wyoming already go to Colorado 
and we'll just see more people going there. Um, also, Wyoming right now, especially the Jackson Clinic, serves like pretty much everybody in eastern Idaho since abortion is banned in Idaho. Those folks are going to, if it's banned in Wyoming, they're going to be having to go to Oregon, Colorado, some other states, and, you know, just traveling farther and farther to get these services. I think this part of the country will become a true abortion desert, basically. And I think that's such a good point that even though the abortion ban has albeit for the moment, been blocked in Wyoming, it's still very difficult for many people to access abortion services. I mean, talk a little bit about that, that it's still quite a a difficult procedure to access. Right. Yeah. So in Wyoming, we only have one clinic that provides abortions, and that's in Jackson on the western side of the state. Pretty much everybody on the eastern side of the state already goes to Colorado or Montana. One is trying to open on the eastern side of the the state but just the political environment there is so tense it's been it's been a real struggle for them people are like if abortion is banned in wyoming people are still going to seek out abortions and just have to travel farther and farther and you know that works out for some people but it's really going to be the most vulnerable who are most affected who can't travel and you know take time off work and pay for a hotel and do all that in order to to get these services That story was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Wednesday, April 5th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Sundial Medicinals is proud to support programming on KZMU. Sundial offers a wide variety of garden-grown and organic handcrafted herbal medicines, including medicinal loose leaf tea, original tincture formulas, and holistic body care products. Get back to the roots of medicine. Sundial is open at 550 North Main, Monday through Friday.